Y'all, this is it. This is it. This is everything. This is our second Sunday back. Wowie. Like I said, my name is Keaton, and I have the pleasure of just getting to run alongside 6th through 12th graders at Dit Bible Church. And at Dit Bible Student Ministries, uh, that's, we have a place out there called The Commons. It's closed right now. We'll see about reopening that in September if, we, if we're allowed to. Because it is, it's a really big space, and so I think we can socially distance well in there. Not sure yet. But on the wall in there, there's this big white wall, and it says three E's. Establish, equip, engage. And so that is really, I just want to tell you from kind of the top down, especially for the new sixth graders, and as a reminder for everyone else, it feels like dark in here. So are you okay with this? How do y'all want it? Okay, they like it. So whatever middle school wants, they get. Uh, except Chick-fil-A on Sundays. Ouch. All right, so... We establish, equip, engage. So we want to establish a connection with you when you come into this place. And so we want to establish a connection. So that's why we broke you all up into little bitty groups. We want you all to be talking together. We want you all to be friends. I had a huddle group when I was in seventh grade, and I joined it. And we eventually graduated together, and they're still some of my best friends. And so that is the goal, is that you can do life together. Um, Does life ever throw you some curveballs? Right? Can you, be, can you be in a valley at times and then on the mountaintop at other times? That's right. That's right. So you get to go through those things, not only with God, because you have a relationship, you can have a relationship with God, but with other believers, other brothers or sisters to hold you up when times get tough. And so that's why we establish a connection with you. The, the middle one is equip for life. The first E is establish a connection. The next one is equip for life. We want to equip you with knowledge of the Bible. We want to equip you with the gospel. And so that's why we have these things called huddle groups. And so on a Wednesday night, hopefully starting in September, more info coming, dot, 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 more info's coming. But hopefully we'll be here and you get, uh, well, for junior high, you get like 45 minutes to an hour where you get to spend time uh, just with your, your small group of guys or girls. And you get to talk about life. You get to open God's word. And we want to equip you with knowledge. We want to teach you to fish. So when you go off to college, um, you're not just kind of given this information. You know what you believe. You know where to find it. You know how to read uh, this amazing book given to us. And so, and then finally, the last E is called engage the world. It's engage the world. And that means we want to send you off with this knowledge to make an impact throughout your hallways and throughout uh, to the ends of the hallways and to the ends of the earth. And so we do that a couple of ways. Have anyone ever in here ever been involved in sports world as a camper? Yeah. All right, and as counselors now, sixth graders are just coming off, uh, yeah, being campers. So what that means, that's our Engage the World event. We want to, it's like a mission trip. Our student ministries wants to run sports world to make an impact in the lives of the, the kids at Denton Bible and the Denton area. Sixth graders, I don't know if you knew this, but there's usually about 40 to 50 churches represented and attendees there as campers. And so it is a mission trip for us. We also go on mission trips around the world. We used to go to this um, island called Trinidad, not Tobago. Tobago is a resort island. It's sister islands. We go to Trinidad, and we take this gospel drama there um, for like nine years. We were doing that during spring break. It's a high school mission trip. Last year, oh, sorry, <laughs> feels like last year. This year, in March, we, did, we, we felt the Lord calling us away from Trinidad into a new location who we've been partnering with for a long time to Romania. And so I have some pictures. I want to show you a little bit about that, actually, that we're talking about it, because it kind of has to do with what we want to talk about this morning. And so do y'all like pictures? 
Yeah, me too. Great. So we're going to kind of go through those as I talk about it. But y'all, I'll tell you, I was with high school last week. It was great to see them. This last March, we took about 83 or so, and we went to Romania for the first time. And we faced a series of events and trials that seemed impossible at times. Well, at least from our perspective at the time, they seemed impossible. Because when we were over there, everything started happening. This was like March, and so this is when everything was kind of shutting down, and we almost didn't even go. Um, but we, our leadership and elders prayed about it, and we were sent off that Friday before spring break with 83, and we got there. And as you can see throughout these photos, as I'm talking about it, you'll get to see some things I'm about to talk about. But here's some of the curveballs. We just talked about curveballs. Here's some of the, the things that happened to us while we were there. On one of the first days... In Romania, they, they limited the size of any group meeting to 100 or less. And so because our team was 83 and partnering with other people, we were kind of already over 100. And so some of our plans already changed. And so we decided just to start. We changed our plans. And so we said instead of doing what we uh, needed to do on that day, we just cleaned uh, the city. And we met all the people in the city that we were partnering with. And so we went around and picked up trash all day and met a lot of people and built some relationships, which was really awesome. And that even led uh, to a new thing. So this seemingly bad thing that happened where they limited our size of our team, it led to, to me even getting to meet the mayor and then setting us up for maybe in years to come, him finding out about our group here and what we can bring. And so something really cool happened um, from that. And then when everything was shutting down, uh, when I woke up Thursday morning to all these texts saying, hey, uh, our president kind of closed down and like our uh, us being in Europe and we have to get back. That day when we found that out and everyone kind of canceled on us, God led us to this small uh, gypsy village out in the countryside where we got to take our gospel drama and we got to share the gospel with these hundreds of kids that were there. And that's important because at the time in Europe, a lot of blame and a lot of shame for the for the spreading of the COVID uh, at the time was uh, on these couple of gypsy beggars that were traveling around between countries. And so a lot of Europeans were saying, oh, look, it's because they were traveling around and they spread it. We know now that it was being spread regardless, right? But at the time, there was a lot of blame and shame at this, uh, at this group of people. And I found it interesting. God was sending us right into, there's some pictures of that too. I think they're trying to find them. God was sending us right into that place at the time. So where blame and shame was being thrown, God was saying, hey, I'm going to send these high schoolers from the Ditton area to go meet uh, these kids. I thought that was very incredible. When orphanages turned us down because of our size and they're like, hey, this is crazy. You can't, we, we don't want you here right now. One school let us in. We got to go to a school and the last day they were open there and we got to share the gospel with these hundreds of students. And it was incredible to see our students get to do that. And so one door shut and God opened multiple new doors. And as Europe and borders closed, we just trusted God and our team got to worship and just take another step of faith after another step of faith after another step of faith. When our plans failed, when it seemed impossible at times, as you were probably already feeling on this side of all these things happening that you don't understand, it was kind of exciting you were out of school. <laughs> it was actually probably very exciting for you. When it seemed impossible, the Spirit continued to lead us, and we would just trust Him. And I learned my favorite phrase there. I learned a couple of phrases in Romanian, but my favorite is, 
uh, Nicho Problema, which means no problem, because that became our the, kind of our funny kind of inside joke. It's like, all right, this happened and this happened, but you know what? It's no problem. Let's smile and let's wake up and let's take another step forward. It's no problem. It's Nicho Problema. So we packed up our buses. We got in these big charter buses. We headed out early. We got to go through Budapest. We made it through the hungry border, and the patrollers came on and said, what are y'all doing here? Aren't y'all, didn't y'all hear the news? And we're like, well, if you let us through, we'll go to our airport, and we'll get out of here. And so God uh, got us through the borders when it was a little chaotic there, to say the least. No student was kept there to be checked for any, anything. Like, we had students coughing for other reasons, not with COVID, just because we're on a mission trip, and you're tired, and, and it's cold out. We finally uh, got to Budapest. We woke up the next day, and that's where the real fun began. We flew through London, which was crazy at the time, and just seeing this world start to realize that maybe this is a pandemic, and it's like spreading faster than we thought, and everything was shutting down. And our students had great spirits, and 12, 13 of them went through Atlanta and were fine. And then 70 of us went through Chicago, and we got stuck there. And we got stuck there. <laughs> and we got to stand in line. Uh, students so tired they couldn't stand anymore, awake for over 24 hours, lines for days, and we took a picture of it. Um, but we, we kind of landed at the, 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 the worst possible time where they were starting to, everyone that's coming into America was put into one line for like several hours together, and it was just interesting. We were pretty much sure we all had COVID at the time. Um, none of us, but the other, another miracle in that is none of us ever got uh, COVID on the trip. So we made it through there, only to find out, I'm almost done, only to find out that they had booked us, we had missed our flight, so they had put us on six different flights after that, starting at 3 a.m. And so I walked up to this American Airlines agent, and there was no line, and I'd, uh, which was also a miracle. They say in Hebrews, there's a verse saying that, be nice, to, you be hospitable, be, be loving, because maybe you've entertained angels unaware. Well, I was very aware, I was, inter- I was being entertained by an angel, that I met this like angel uh, that worked at American Airlines and for whatever reason, the Lord had put it on her heart to say, right when I kind of said our, we're on seven flights, we missed our flight, she said, I wanna work with you. I wanna do whatever it takes to make sure you're all on one flight as you come back together. And so we stood there and we started grabbing names from other flights and she'd be like, is this person with you? I'm like, yes, that's with her, get her on our flight. And she, we worked until like 1 a.m. and we finally got it all on one flight home from Chicago we found a hotel room, ordered pizza, and went to bed, and we flew home the next day perfectly fine, and then got quarantined. Our view, my view of God that week was put to the test, because when suffering strikes, when suffering uh, kind of hit our group, when kind of plans change, when the world shuts down, when your plans change, when your schedule was hit, when you had confusion and chaos in your life, just like we did, that's when you find out what you really believe and who you really are. That's when you find out, what are you going to land on? What are you going back to? What's your foundation? You know, God made a way for us through these seemingly impossible tasks that, that week. And it's something we'll never forget. And he got us back fine. And it was, now it's just a story and some of our high schoolers still don't maybe like talking about it, but it's still a story. <laughs> hmm. I was thinking of that. I was thinking y'all have faced, you sixth through eighth graders, y'all have faced a lot of similar things the last 24 weeks or 168 days of your life. But who's counting anyway, right? 
y'all have faced a lot in the last 24 weeks or 168 days. That's a long time since we've met, right? That's a long time. What have you seen? Uh, what have you faced? How are you different now than you were in March because of what's happened? Think about that to yourself. It's okay to think to yourself. How different, um, yeah, how different are you now than before? And a lot of us have experienced a lot of different things. One common thing we've all experienced to kind of gather us all into one kind of bucket <laughs> is experiencing loss in different ways. We've all had to deal with that idea of loss in different ways, even if you feel like you haven't. Meaning like even from something like you were in middle school and you were really involved in sports and you didn't get to finish the season, you've lost out on that, okay? Or maybe you, you're a champion in the schoolroom and you were looking forward to passing these tests and, like, and getting your straight A's all the way through. Or so, I don't know, something, and maybe your schedule has just changed and that was very difficult for you. You lost out on that. Of course, being with friends, let's talk about that. Just, just that rhythm of you always getting, you didn't even think about it before, but of course, my friends are there. I'm with them, like they, they do so much for me. I enjoy them. And that was changed when everything kind of hit. Vacations, you were maybe looking forward to a vacation and me even saying that word just kind of triggered you and you're like, oh, yeah, kids don't remind me we missed out on this. And that's a loss. You miss it. And it hurts. And you haven't processed it yet. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. Maybe just being around some certain family members and maybe not being able to be around them as much. And that hurts. That's some loss there. Right? Even for a lot of, I, I even know in this room, a lot of ex experience, maybe the loss of life in some way with a family member through that time. And that was very confusing and difficult because everything was changed. I mean, for me personally, I'm just one of some 100 here. My family was dealing with uh, some, some people in my family with uh, losing their job, as maybe some of your families did, and even losing my granddad on April 15th. And so that's just one of 100. We could, we could stay here all day and talk about all the things that were kind of taken out from underneath us like that. And some of you haven't really got to process that yet. Your world... Your world has faced one impossible task after one impossible task. And we try our best to make things work. You see, even your school systems right now, they're doing their best to just present a plan, an attempt to do this safely. We've never seen this, so give them some grace. Even for us, we had to put a plan together to try and make this work. We're trying to make it work. Can you tell? We'll do anything to make this possible what is seemingly impossible to make it possible for you. So we'll space out chairs. I'll, I'll put chairs in the ceiling. I don't know. We'll do whatever it takes to make this possible. And I want, what I want you to see this morning is from all this. This is all going somewhere. What I want, the truth we need to land on this morning and what you need to hear over and over again, what you, sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grader needs to hear is that simply this. There is nothing our God can't do. There is nothing our God can't do. He lives in the impossible. So we're going to meet this young man in Mark 10 this morning, and maybe, and maybe what is a very familiar passage. Now, how things work here at Dip Bible Student Ministries, for you new sixth graders and everyone, 
uh, we'll have, I'll have uh, the verses on the screen. I really do encourage you to open your own Bible, and I'll even tell you to mark in it at times. <gasps> yes, I will. Uh, it's, uh, it's good. You can mark up your own Bible, and you can see what's there, and you can read it for yourself. This is Mark 10, starting in verse 17. The rich young ruler, what is maybe a very familiar story to you, but I ask you, just have new eyes this morning. Let's ask God to, to reveal something fresh for you, something new for you throughout this truth, because there is something very special here for you that you need to hear, that I need to hear. In verse 17, and this is a story, remember, so, and it's a good story. Verse 17, and as he was setting out on his journey, that's Jesus, so as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so our story is now off in motion. We've got Jesus walking, and we've got this young Jewish man runs up to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You can go ahead and underline that sentence. This is the main, this is everything. That's the main reason we have this story. It's because someone has a question for Jesus, and a very good question, I might add. Could I even say this is like one of the greatest questions everyone's looking for, everyone's asking in the world, how do I have eternal life? How can I gain that? How can I live forever and eternity? How can I get to heaven? I think so. So this young man is a young, rich Jewish man. And he sort of already comes to Jesus with this pride. And he calls Jesus good. But watch this. Jesus is going to kind of correct him and sort of answer his question, but in Jesus' fashion. You'll see. Jesus is going for the heartbeat of the question and so he'll answer it in a way you may not expect. And that's why we love this. And so in verse 18, watch what he says. Okay, you want to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, first off, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So he, he kind of has to correct him first. Corrects his definition of good. He says, no one is good except God alone. So Jesus is first kind of saying, hey, listen, I am the son of God. No one's good except God and I am good, so therefore I am God. In 19 and 20, he sort of answers this question. He says, well, all right, you want to inherit eternal life? I got you. Do this. You know the commandments. You already know them. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the young man said this in 20. He said to him, teacher, well, well, all of these I have kept from my youth. Great, I'm good to go. That's, that's great, Jesus, because look, I've kept them all. I'm good. I'm good. I got it. That's what I wanted to hear. Yes. I, I know the commandments. This young man thought that just because he had done so good, he has this wealth, he has treasures on earth, he's... He's kind of checklist everything in his life up to this point. He thought that he had earned his salvation. His question was, what must I do? I, I want to do this. I've done everything else. What do I have to do? And he thought he had earned his salvation. You see, Jesus, he's, he might be saying, you see, Jesus, all these works work for me. I got it. 
That can happen to, to us so many times. We, we, we start to think through, oh yeah, okay, um, like this maybe rich young girl was doing. He's hearing Jesus list off all these things. He's like, okay, yeah, good, good, good. I've kept the law perfectly, Jesus. And 21's very important. Look at, look at Jesus' response here in 21. This is incredible. You might, you might have one vision of how he could respond, but it starts like this. 21, and Jesus looking at him, and underline this part, it says, loved him. Jesus loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Would you follow me? Would you sell everything you have and just follow me? Could you trust me? He loved him. It, this is, uh, you can also go to this to prove that God doesn't hate the rich, all right? He, uh, remember, God is patient and kind, not wishing any should perish. Jesus loved him. But he says, well, you want to work for it? You want to earn it? I'll tell you what you need to do. I'll tell you what you need to do. Go sell everything you have and simply follow me. And this is why that's important. By giving, and this is, listen to this. By giving everything away, if the rich young ruler really did that, if he gave everything he had away, he would have been left only to trust in Jesus for everything. If he gave it all away, he'd be left just to trust in Jesus alone and that Jesus could provide for him. To rest in Jesus' works. That's what he'd be left to do. That's it. You see why Jesus is saying that? He's saying, just take my hand. All you need is me for salvation. It goes through me. Just trust me. Unfortunately, in verse 22, we don't see him do what you might want him to do. In 22, disheartened. You can underline that word. Disheartened. It just screams at you, doesn't it? That's like the word you want to, it's at the beginning of the sentence. Ah, oh, disheartened. No. By the saying, he went away sorrowful. No. <laughs> For he had great possessions. You can underline sorrowful. These aren't the words that I want to hear when Jesus says, come follow me by the man. He leaves Jesus. Oh, no, you were so close. You were in front of, I mean, they didn't know, uh, you know, exactly what was going to happen like we do. But the son of God saying, would you follow me? Ah, disheartened. He's in turmoil. You can say this young man's in turmoil and anguish. This is the only person in the Gospels that's had this call from Jesus like this that's turned away and just rejected him. And it's for a reason. It's to show us something. If you try and find happiness in anything else, it will leave you disheartened, that word. It will leave you disheartened, empty, this void, lost, bitter. No hope, no way. If you try and find your happiness and kind of just do it on your own to get to heaven, it will leave you like this rich young man, disheartened, unhappy, walking away. Salvation does not rest in our works, like this rich young ruler thought. Why this rich young man thought salvation does not rest in our works, it can't, it never worked, it never will. There is no ladder high enough for us to gain access to God on our own. We could put a ladder here and say, okay, climb to heaven. There ain't no ladder high enough. 
That's what I realized when I was nine years old and my mom shared the gospel with me and she drew the two cliffs, right? The, the, the two cliffs and said God's over here and he's perfect and man's over here and they're sinners and there's this chasm in between. And if you, if you try and build your own way to heaven on your own, you may get a little out there. Wow, seven Sundays in a row and you brought your Bible? Great, okay. You know, that only works so far and then you fall. We're imperfect. We can't keep the law perfectly. That's the idea. We need someone to come down. Salvation, the first point we see is salvation does not rest in our works. There's this image there. If you want to write that, if, if, you, if you like that, that's the title for that first passage is, it does not rest in our works. It can't. On our own, on our own, it's mission impossible. Nothing we can do. But thankfully the story's not over, so hang with me. Verse 23, take a deep breath. Let's get some good news here. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, I love that first, Jesus is like, okay, I gotta talk to someone. All right, disciples, come here. And Jesus looked around and found someone. He said, how difficult, you can underline that, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. I love that. The disciples were like, Show me amazed. Y'all show me amazed. Wow. So I just love, I can picture his disciples just being like, uh-huh, uh-huh, but not really getting it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He says, <laughs> God, the disciples were amazed at his words. It gets better. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult, underline how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle then for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Maybe you've heard that before. This is where it's from. A camel. Camel's not getting through that. Jesus is, this is kind of funny. Jesus is making a fun illustration there. He's like, it's easier for a giant camel to have to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Hmm. Wealth does not equal salvation. The amount of earthly stuff you have that you kind of culminate your whole life, all the, all the things you're doing on your own, all those attempts to maybe get to heaven on your own, all those things you think are earning your salvation, all of that does not equal, does not gain you eternal happiness. It doesn't grant you access into heaven. It, it, it can't give you salvation. How difficult, he said, how difficult it will be for you. How difficult. If you try to do this on your own, it's mission impossible, right? It's not about your works. This is the most important thing I could tell you. On your first, first, some of you, your first Sunday here, or maybe your 40th, I don't know. But here's where it gets good. And if you were in sports world in 2016, well, hey, what were you doing in 2016? I know where I was, I was over there. All right, 26, wrapping it up here, hang on. We're doing great on time. And they were exceedingly astonished. I love it. The disciples, they're even having, I love that. They're exceedingly astonished. Show me exceedingly astonished, middle school. What does it even look like? You're giddy. That means you're getting like Chick-fil-A on Sunday. You're giddy. All right. They were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus. This was a man that had everything. He had kept the law. They thought he had kept the law. He was rich. Surely, Jesus, this man deserves to be in heaven. 
What chance do I have? What chance do you have? I think that's a great question. And they're a little maybe nervous. We don't know, but I, could t- I bet they're a little nervous. Don't y'all think they were a little nervous? Then who could be saved? And they're kind of like backing up like, uh, are we getting into heaven? How do we? They're going back to that question. How do we, Jesus, how do we inherit eternal life again? <laughs> just my friend asked. I just want to, my friend asked me, um, how do you get to heaven, Jesus? Well, the most important verse today, Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. With man it's impossible, but not with God. All things possible with God. You can underline all that you want there. I love it. Highlight, draw a little, draw a little flowers. I don't know. You do whatever it means to you. I love that. Salvation is God's work. And if you didn't know that this morning, that's why I want to start here before we start a series next week. Salvation is God's work. It does not rest in our works. It rests in the finished work of Christ. It's impossible for man. Let's see how much, okay, Genesis 18. You remember that, the, the time where Sarah laughed at God? Tell me, you tell me, why did she laugh at God? Do you remember this? In Genesis 18, why did Sarah, remember, wife of Abraham, why did she laugh at the Lord God? What did he have just told her? Yeah, please, you can shout it out. This is, that she's going to have a child. Why is that weird? And why probably that, would, that wouldn't happen? She was old, yeah, all right. You know, all right, we got it. We said it. Sarah was a bit older in age, and the Lord God came down and said, you're going to have a baby. And she laughed a little bit in front of the Lord. What a fun story. Well, there's a, there's a word there that Jesus is using here. Jesus went all the way back to Genesis 18 and grabbed it and brought it here to use this. It's the word pele, P-E-L-E. And it's, it's like one of the best words. It's one of my favorite words in the Bible. It means wonder, marvel, extraordinary. And it's used back in Genesis 18 when it said, when the Lord God looks at them and says, is there anything too difficult or too wonderful for God? Basically saying, this is going to happen. This is not mission impossible for them to have a baby. It's possible, and it's going to happen through God. Jesus does the same thing here. Is there anything too wonderful or too difficult for God? No, there's not. Because all things are possible with God. Of course it's impossible with man. Look at us. We can't get to heaven on our own. There's no ladder high enough, and we, but we like to build them anyway. There is nothing our God can't do. Remember, that's the theme of this morning, and something maybe you need to hear, because it's been a long time. It's been 24 weeks or 168 days, but who's counting? Some of you just need to hear that truth. You're going through so much, but there is nothing our God can't do. What is too difficult or too impossible for man? It's not that way for God. He makes a way. God does. He's the miracle worker. He keeps his promises. He calls. He changes from within. He changes. He restores. So back to that main question you underlined in the first, uh, in verse 17, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, first off, you don't. You can't do it on your own. We rest in what he's done. 
The young man didn't realize the law wasn't there to be kept perfectly. That's impossible. It's there as a mirror to show you that you fail. You fall short. You need to make another sacrifice. You aren't good enough. God is. And we're left to show, just to, we can boast now in our weakness saying, I can't do this on my own, Lord. I need you. I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't make it through tomorrow on my own. I need you. There's nothing you can't do. Now we rest in the finished work of Christ. That's our religion. It's actually a relationship with Jesus Christ. Welcome to Dent Bible Student Ministries. That's what we're going to preach at you the next, for some of you, seven years. We just want you to know the gospel and want you to live it out. You know, because the Bible, the Bible could also be called How to Get to Heaven 101. How to Get a Sinner into Heaven 101. That's a hard task because God can't be around sin. And yet, because of Christ, it's possible. Because once me, once I was not a part of God's program, once I was like an alien, a stranger, I was separated from God because of my sin. I had no hope I was without God. I had no peace with God, no unity with God. I had a problem. We have a problem. It's called long division. Our sin divides us from a loving God. Our sin divides us from a loving God. And it puts a wedge in between us, this big chasm that separates us. But the good news is this. God looks at the impossible. God looks at this impossible gap. And God says, Nicho problema. No problem. Got it. I'll send my son, my only son, down to earth. I'll give them a chance. To, they'll make their Christmas songs. They'll celebrate this forever. He'll be born in this feeding trough and filth. This divinity wrapped himself in human flesh. And he will be born to Mary and Joseph. And he will, he will live a perfect life. And then he'll begin his ministry. And people will reject him and some will accept him. And he'll suffer at the hands of men doing nothing wrong. He'll suffer and die and rise again. By doing so, Christ closed the gap. Christ, the cross, X marks the spot. It's the bridge between now man has an opportunity to get to heaven with God through the cross. One way. By laying down his life so that we might live. It's incredible. So simply by believing Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Son of God, you can have eternal happiness, eternal peace. You don't have to be in the land of far, far away anymore. You will have this fairy tale like ending. That's attainable. But remember, it's, salvation does not rest in our works. It rests in the finished work of Christ. He's done it for us. He's done it for us. You know, this pandemic y'all are going through right now, we are going through, it shows us a lot of things, but it ultimately shows us that we can't place our hope in anything outside of Christ. Because I know a lot of you, including me, I'm not, I'm not pointing at you, I'm pointing right at me. A lot of us put our hope before this and a lot of just, a lot of things that we don't even put our hope in. Even for me, like this, this getting to, to run with y'all and, and having this quote-unquote job here at Dip Bob Students, which I love, as being a shepherd of the 6th through 12th graders, 
I, I had some like really tough days there because I, this was all taken out from under me. And I'm like, wait a minute, what do I worship? Do I worship just getting to, to be around all these students and to have that quote unquote job? Or do I really worship God? For some of you, like sports are taken away and you're like, wow, I really worship basketball and now I can't do it. Now I'm like, I feel really empty. Or maybe it was a relationship. You didn't get to see that the one anymore and now you realize they weren't the one. And you're like, that hurt though. Or just your friends or just being able to, maybe you're really popular at school and you, you like that kind of attention from people. And when you didn't get that, you're like, then what do I have left? This pandemic ultimately shows us that we can't place our hope in anything outside of Christ and what he's done. Before we dismiss, I'd like to try and give you at least something. Look at this, next, this last slide here. What is this text? What is the take home? I don't assign homework here. This is just for you to, to enjoy and to try and have an um, impact on your heart. What is the main impact from this text in your life? It's joy. The fact that there is nothing our God can't do and that salvation is attainable now through the finished work of Christ. It's joy in suffering that now you go through trials and you can smile and have hope even in the valley because you know the, the King of Kings is with you through it all. It's joy and salvation where you can just kind of sing. We're about to sing in a little bit. You can sing and say, God, thank you for bridging the gap and giving me eternal life and giving me my fairy tale ending. Thank you so much. And finally, it's joy and sending where this joy should send you out to make an impact in the culture and to your friends. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So you can mask up, but you don't have to shut up. <laughs> you can still preach Christ. You can still invite friends to, your, to church, to this. You can still make an attempt for them to come to know the Lord. You know, here's some 2020 vision for you. I was telling the high schoolers last week, the year is not over, all right? The year is not over yet. And we don't need another person in the world just standing up and saying, all right, humans, let's just do better. All right. <laughs> that, of course, yeah, we, we just do better. I mean, where's it going to get us? We don't need just another, you know, silly meme made about this time. We need, what you need is just radical life change. It's transformation. We need more middle schoolers on the narrow road following Jesus than on the wide road of the world. That just leads to vanity and more vanity, nothingness. We need a generation like you just to embrace the name, like Tommy was talking about two weeks ago, to embrace the name Jesus Freak. We need more of you standing in the gap, pleading with God on behalf of your friends that don't know him. Just saying, God, would you call, like, would you allow my friends to come to know the Lord, that they may have eternal happiness and peace in their life? But it starts here, right here. This place has to be a welcoming place. This place has to be a loving environment. It starts with you and you and you and you. It starts with you inviting your friends and bringing them here and asking good questions and digging into their life. It takes you eighth graders making an effort to go and introduce yourself to sixth graders because you know how it feels to be here for the first time. It can't start with me. I, I can't set the culture here. It starts with you. So do yourself a favor as Justin makes his way up here. Do yourself a favor. Write yourself a job description. 
moving forward for 2020 and make it all about Jesus. The rich young ruler, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He thought he had done everything perfectly. But when Jesus said, could you just trust me? Could you trust Jesus, me alone? Can you trust me alone? He walked away. He rejected the hand. The choice was his, now the choice is yours. What's stopping you from following Christ? We're going to be starting a series next week called Follow. It's actually hashtag follow. And I'll be back right here next Sunday, and we're going to look at a couple weeks of these opportunities of people that had an opportunity to follow Christ, and if they did or did not. Out there, we face an impossible task. Out there, we face an impossible task. You do. But good thing we, we serve a God who lives in the impossible. He lives there. And he wants a relationship with you. And so we're about to sing and celebrate. And celebrate the fact that there is nothing our God can't do. There's nothing too big for him. Whatever you're going through, whatever question you have about him is not too big. He's bigger. And he can handle it. So just meet with him in this time. Justin's going to lead us. I'm so excited to sing with you all, and he'll dismiss us.